in in the Bhagavatam, not um, that they aren't described elsewhere. They are in many places, but very beautifully. So in the Bhagavatam, and this is a great loss. Then, indeed, it uh, if not understood, as we heard last night. Um, that teaching in terms of its being a provisional teaching on the part of Shankar, commissioned by Vishnu, according to time and circumstance, to bring a large portion of the public from a Gnostic point of view in which the scriptures were dismissed, sacred texts, hmm? Um, to an acceptance of the scripture based on an understanding of the scripture that was similar to the understanding of the Buddha. And Vishnu Purana was cited in the commentary um, where it's mentioned that Shankar's teaching was commissioned by Vishnu. Shankar being Shiva, Shiva Shankar Chari being a representation of Shiva in the world, um, commissioned to speak in the Asat Shastram, against, different than the conclusions of the Shastra, in such a way as to present a veiled type of Buddhism. And we pointed out how, in modern times, this is actually what people have come to conclude, that Buddhism and Vaita Vedanta, they're kind of like, Say it one way, say it another way, and and uh, it's it's um, um, Buddha says there's nothing. Shankar says there's a room, but there's nothing going on there. Something like that. Uh, it's very it's, they're they're very very similar. They're different and similar. They were at odds with one another philosophically, um, in a sense. But the modern thinking, the present time is. Same, 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 more or less. And indeed, we have some Buddhists that do posit that there is a, uh, a self, there is eternal consciousness, that is, and we discussed that to some extent. So they, we, they posit the idea that, that the Buddha had a preaching strategy, for that matter. And and each of these strategies, Shankars and Buddhists, are they can't, they don't feel comfortable telling everything to everybody or at the time. Hmm? Um, so you can imagine, I mean for yourself, you can imagine if you were to go to um, Japan and um, begin a preaching campaign of Vedanta and Gaudiya Vaishnavism where the dominant uh, religious thinking is is Buddhism, I guess there's the Shintoism before that, and then there's Buddhism. But let's say at a time when Buddhism was more prominent and prevalent, Zen, I guess, is the main form of Buddhism in, 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 uh, in Japan. I mean, to go and tell them, you know, that you're not the body, you're not, well, it's very, how you... How do you do that? I mean, they have a very different way of 
thinking. It's always been very confusing to me, um, Buddhist idea. Not that I don't understand it, it's the logic of it is very... This doesn't do anything for me, I guess I should say. Um, so, to, again, go in like a needle and out like a plow. So, Shankar is going in like a needle, in a sense. And then Ramanuja is coming out like a plow. And um, his rebuttal of the Shankars and gradually growing the theistic idea or the picture, bringing um, into, into, the, into the full view of the picture beautiful picture of the personality of Godhead. Mm. So, mm, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is, is in the midst now, as I say, of, of explaining the Vedanta, to use Prabhupada's term, and this is really, in many respects, where it comes from, as it is. Mm. That was his idea, as it is. The, the as it is subtitle to Prabhupada's edition of the Bhagavad Gita, if you study Prabhupada's Gita, there are a couple of points that he emphasizes again and again. And one of them is that Mayavad philosophy is not uh, a correct understanding of the sacred texts of the Gita. Prabhupada finds ways in, in his commentary on various verses to bring up this point again and again where you might not Otherwise, it's one of his main focuses. Indeed, there, uh, he uh, gave us a pranam mantra by which we could offer our uh, obeisances to him, in which he describes himself as nirvishesha sunyabadi paschachade satarna. And these two are again sunyabad, nirvishesh, nirvishesh sunyabad. No qualities, nirvishesh. Uh, and sunyabad without empty no qualities empty uh, they're different but pretty similar so he wanted to um, um, expose if you will the fact that these particular doctrines are not supported by the sacred text and now to appreciate these arguments you have to enter into the world in which the sacred text is the determining factor. It's the standard of knowledge. It's the map. Hmm? And um, and Prabhupada was very um, strong on this point as well to his disciples, that this is the standard of knowledge. If you want to speak in spiritual circles, there should be, what you say should be referenced from the sacred text. And and so forth. This is the general idea, of course, of that, as I've many times said, is that there is such a thing as revelation. And so if, if the truth, the reality is alive and well, and um, if it wants to reveal itself, uh, then, it, then, it, then it can be known, otherwise not. If, perf- if perfection exists, if, if we are imperfect and we seek perfection, we must seek a perfect means. That must come from, not from within perfection, it must come from perfection itself. And so if perfection seeks to or chooses to um, make the imperfect perfect, because it's perfect, it can do that, then it's possible. I think this is a very good um, basic uh, reasoning that underlies the uh, 
the uh, worldview of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and all Vaishnavas with regard to their acceptance of the principle of revelation. People try to tend to think of revelation as some old book, and we're just going to listen to what it said. Hey, there are plenty of modern books now to read from, and modern ideas, and these all old books collecting dust and so forth. We have to know we have to understand the principle. Hmm? Um, said, uh, gave it in a mathematical example or metaphor. He said, if the infinite, if the finite seeks to know the infinite, how will it be possible for the finite to know the infinite? Hmm? And while that seems impossible, then he, he replied, if the infinite chooses to make itself known to the finite, even though it would be impossible on finite terms, hmm, on the infinite's terms, it's not impossible. So, this is the principle of revelation. We are a knower of sorts, and we want to know what is the nature of reality. And our um, reasoning also is that, that, that the reality is also a knower, not just something to be known. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so that's the broader idea. We're just going over it. Um, basically, we can give the other arguments as well as to the ways in which instances or examples of, of, that seek to illustrate how from within the imperfection we can arrive at perfect knowledge by the limits of the senses by which we know. Hmm? It's um, very clear that the, the empirical way of knowing uh, there, it is not empirically demonstrable, demonstrable, that, that, um, that by empiricism unto itself, we can know everything. It's not empirically verifiable. So when we want everything to be empirically verifiable and insist that if unless it's empirically verifiable, it's it's not true, we have to, of course, acknowledge the fact that it's not true that by empiricism, it's not verifiable empirically by empiricism, Everything can be known. <laughs> Hardly is that the case. And reason, reasoning about observation, if we want to um, equate for the moment observation with empiricism, is reasoning arguably about information that may be imperfect, limited, and so on and so forth. So these are the very some very basic arguments, strong arguments, for the idea of revelation. Now, of course, there are different interpretations of the text and so forth. And there are more than one valid... Um, there, there, there is more than one valid interpretation. We don't say that the Ramanujas have an invalid interpretation, or the Madhvas, or the Balabas, or the Mbarkas, and so forth. These are other schools of Vedanta. They differ from our... Um, perspective considerably. Uh, two of them are uh, forms of, of Vedanta, theology and philosophy, um, that serve as a canvas out of which reverential love of God manifests. Hmm? The Balab Sampradaya and the Nabarka Sampradaya 
are different and more similar to ours, and that they are a canvas that acquaints us with uh, with Krishna in Goloka to some extent, which is more of a realm of uh, of intimacy. Although there is also reverence in Dwarka and Mathura to some extent, um, not in Vrindavan. So, and that's where we focus in particular, and within the Braj, within the Vrindavan. So. At any rate, there are different schools of thought, and um, we, as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, we accept them all. Mm. But amongst the Vedantins, Shankar's interpretation mm, is not as it is. That is the point. Mm. That's why Prabhupada used that um, subtitle. Mm. One of the very clear reasons. Mm. Shankar has not told it as it is. He's told his own story. And it will be stated very strongly here in the words of Krishnadas as we go through today's um, section. Mm-hmm. So, where we've come to uh, is that, uh, is that uh, Mahaprabhu has pointed out first, as I say, that the in, uh, Shankar has mixed this up. He's taken the direct statements and made them indirect, Indirect statements and made them direct. It's not the Krishna that you should surrender to when Krishna says, surrender to me, but the Krishna within you. Who are you? <laughs> this kind of uh, um, add-ons, if you, if you will, um, that does away with Krishna, um, by which everything is lost, is the idea. So uh, th- that is the one point that he has stressed thus far. And... And and how offense then to the body of the Lord is is uh, problematic um, and so forth. And uh, he gives the correct understanding of the, the transcendental nature of the Lord's form and so forth. Now he comes to another aspect. There's a few aspects of my philosophy. My word philosophy he's highlighting here. So he says Ishwar Ishwarer Tattva. Yen Jalita Jalana Jivera Swarup Yoiche Spulingera Khan. So the, the, the Ishwar, the, the God, Ishwar means controller, the truth, the tattva about the Ishwar is Jena Jalita Jalana, that he is a brilliant blazing fire. And the Swarup of the Jiva, the nature of the Jiva, by comparison or in contrast, is Yaiche Spulinger Khan, that it is just a spark, an atomic spark, a spark of, of the fire. Hmm? Well, this is a nice um, example. Hmm? And it's, of course, fully supported by the scripture, as we'll see, but it's a nice example. Um, or the idea that the jiva and Brahman are different hmm, is the idea. Here, in the example of the spark, we get both, don't we? We get that they're different, and we get that they are one, because if you get touched by the spark, you feel like you got touched by the fire. Hmm? But again, the spark, as we said the other day, you can't cook with that. You can't heat yourself in the winter with only spark. So there's a difference between the spark. Spark may be covered by smoke, Hmm. You can't light the night, hmm. like a fire. Hmm. 
the, the fire generates the smoke. It generates the spark. It generates heat and light. In these instances, smoke, spark, heat, and light, we're talking about the power of the fire that is, well, powerful. It's full of power. It generates heat. It generates light. It generates sparks and smoke. So smoke is like the... He hasn't gone this far, but I've used this uh, or come up with this kind of extended um, analogy to put the basic shaktis uh, of Bhagavan, of which there are many, but the basic three hmm, that uh, will be highlighted in this section um, in perspective. The smoke is the maya shakti, hmm, the, 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 the sparks of the jiva shakti, and the heat and the light is the sarup shakti. You see, as we go from the smoke to the heat and light, this the shakti, the power coming from the, uh, from the, from the fire, powerful, Shakti is becoming more and more like fire. In other words, heat and light are much more like fire or one with fire than they are different. And smoke is much more much more different than it is like. It seems very different from fire. It seems almost the opposite of fire. It's uh, it's obscures and and fire illumines, right? Um, but it comes from the fire. Right? Smoke generates the fire. Hmm? Fire generates. Oh, excuse me. Fire generates smoke. Yeah. Fire generates the smoke. Right? No example is perfect, of course. So you need wood in there too, and you know whatever, <laughs> something. But it, but it, it's uh, it's useful to think about it in this way. Analogies don't prove anything necessarily, but they help us to get a grasp on certain concepts. The proof is in in the Shastra and what it says. And Shastra is speaking about things, the idea is, the Revelation is speaking about things that we couldn't know otherwise. That's helpful. And the fact that our, our capacity to know is limited is very, very reasonable. I gave the example the other day that the difference between a chimpanzee and a human being, in terms of the DNA, is minuscule. The difference is just so, so slight. Hmm? There, if the DNA is the you know main makeup, hmm? building block, or you know, yeah, the blueprint, or something like that of what we are and will be, and so forth. They're just very, 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 very similar. This minuscule, minute difference. Hmm? But the understanding of what the world is on the part of the chimpanzee and the understanding of a human being, hopefully, is very, very different. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Now, who's to say that there isn't a, 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 a being whose DNA is just slightly different than ours and makes our understanding of life look like a chimpanzee's. We are out with our extensions of our senses, uh, looking at the stars with telescopes and looking at the 
atoms with microscopes or whatever they use uh, to look in the subatomic world and look in the astrophysical world and making calculations about them and what's going on and so on and so forth. And you look into that world a little bit, it's pretty, well, spacey. Hmm? Um, and you get these very sophisticated theories that are uh, supported and then completely shown to be false about the nature of time and black holes and are there multi, 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 multiple universes and uh, and so on and so forth. It's very, very... Uh, there's a... a uh, it was a review of a book, I think, by Brian Greene, who's a famous physicist, a popular physicist, who's a brother of... Uh, uh, Joshua Green, otherwise known as Yogeshwar, a disciple of, of Prabhupada, who, uh, in a, a review of his um, one of his recent books, um, made a statement to the effect that this sounds like the eleventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, and we've come like full circle, where Krishna is showing everything's inside of himself, and it's just very. And uh, there's, it's a very uh, um, awe-inspiring type of description. It's just like sounds like we've come full circle back to what the ancients are saying, something like that. Um, so, uh, what we're seeing, what we're measuring, what we're—I mean, I, I would imagine you know chimpanzees and insects are also doing some form of measurement, and somehow or other, intuitively or whatnot, making. When you put your hand down on the table and an ant is walking, you know what they think if they think it is or what, or what it is. What's their capacity to understand that? Hmm? So, if you want demigod, just give them a little different DNA, and there you go. <laughs> and and they're perceived in yoga. Hmm? They're experienced, and the celestial sounds are heard from the from the mind stuff, and so forth. Hmm? But we want to see them with our physical eyes right now and feel and touch them. Otherwise, we won't believe in them. If I can't see it, I won't believe in it. Well, that's a very limited uh, perspective. That's really a flat earth club, if you will. So, uh, um, so no, um, and um, got off on a little tangent there, but... We were talking about about the Shakti, Hmm. about different Shaktis. And um, the example of smoke, fire, sparks, and how they're one with the fire and different. All no examples are perfect, but they help us to get a grip on something. And if we want to know a thing comprehensively, the point I'm making is that we need something beyond... Um, our own capacities. Hmm? That's what Shastra is for. Hmm? It tells us about things that we couldn't know on our own, and there are a lot of things we can't know on our own. Hmm? Hmm? They are, again, instruments within the sphere, within the realm of imperfection that we are exercising. And so, imperfection will not beget perfection is the idea. Hmm. Um, you could say practice makes perfect, but but the practice of what? Practice of 
an ideal, and that's what we do. That's what we call sadhana bhakti. Hmm? We're practicing what is what is nityasiddha, Krishna Prem. It's eternally perfect. Hmm? And it's of a generous nature, so it makes itself available to us. Hmm? So, um, there are things that we uh, we can't know. These, um, this is an analogy, the fire and the spark, the fire and the smoke. As I say, the smoke is more different than it is one, but it's not different entirely from the fire, because without smoke, you don't have fire. So smoke is dependent on the fire. You have the spark. The spark is, it's one and it's different. Hmm? The smoke is one and different, but the spark is more one. Hmm? And it's pretty different, too. Hmm? Not as different as smoke is from the fire, hmm? but different nonetheless. When you get to heat and light, hmm? then heat and light are just almost... When they're more one than they are different from fire. And heat and light in this, this, this uh, example or analogy is the Swarup Shakti of Krishna. So you have the smoke which obscures, bewilders, the Maya Shakti, you have the Jiva Shakti that can be influenced by the smoke or can be influenced by the heat and light and come into the fire, so to speak. Um, and heat and light means that Swarup Shakti has, is, 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 has samvid and ladini. It has power of knowing. Light means luminosity, knowing. The light bulb goes off in your head and you draw the, the, the cartoon to illustrate. Light and heat means feeling, means love, affection. Hmm? Ladini. Samvid and ladini. Hmm? So to extend this, uh, this an analogy of spark and fire, because what he's going into here, as he first describes the difference between the jiva and Brahman, he's segueing into the fact that Brahman has shakti, has power. The powerful has power. When we hear it like the big old, of course. But Shankar has denied that. And um, and so he'll go on now, what, to, to uh, establish this, he gives an analogy but he doesn't rest with that. Then he turns to the sacred texts. He quotes Bhagavad Gita. Here he quotes uh, Vishnu Purana, two verses that both of which describe the the uh, um, the Shakti. Here the first Apareya Mitastanyam Prakritim Vidime Param Jiva Bhuta Mahabaho Yaidam Dharite Jagat. Hmm? This verse is in the seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita. It follows just after Krishna has described the gunamaya, hmm? the, the, the char- kind of the, n- the nature of, of matter, hmm? its constituents, this is from the Sankhya philosophy, hmm? Sankhya description of, of matter. And having done that, he says, and that is the prakriti, and then there is aparayam, Itastanyam. Prakritim vidhi me param. There is a para prakriti. Hmm? Prakriti param. It's superior. Hmm? It's called the jiva. And the jiva, daryate jagat. The world 
is supported by that. This verse of the Gita is followed by another verse, this, well, the, the verse that follows this verse in the Gita. Krishna says, the whole world is made up of these two energies of mine. Hmm? Maya and the jiva. Hmm? And the difference is, one is sustaining the other means one is enjoying or trying to enjoy the other and giving meaning to the other. One is achit, asat, nirananda. The other is a unit of satchit, ananda. Hmm? So we, get, we explain this many ways, many times. There is matter, hmm? and it doesn't matter unless we, unless it matters to us, unless we matter about it, so to speak. And we, 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 we posit meaning, value into matter, and um, unto itself. It lacks that. In that sense, the Gita is saying, the jiva is superior to matter. Hmm? It's conscious. It's not inert. Hmm? Um, uh, this self, this atma, has been described earlier in the second chapter, as we know, when Krishna began to educate Arjuna to take him from a materialistic religious orientation to a spiritual, experiential orientation. Hmm? So here it comes again, and he wants to say here that this jiva is one of the shaktis of Bhagavan. He says, Jiv Shakti, Jiv Tattva Shakti, Krishna Tattva Shakti Man. He says, the jiva is, the tattva of the jiva is a shakti, and the truth, the, the, the tattva of Krishna is the shakti man. Shakti man means, again, the, the powerful, and shakti means the power, the energetic, the energy, energetic and the energy. So fire and that which it which it generates. For example, Gita Vishnu Paranadi Tahati Parman. The evidence for this, my analogy is there. He's saying that doesn't prove anything, but it helps to understand the picture. But for conclusive knowledge, we go to the Gita and Vishnu Purana, and there are statements there hmm, that can tell us about something that we couldn't know unto ourself, on the strength of our own um, intellectual, mental, physical prowess. Hmm? This is what the scripture is for. So, this is one verse from the Gita and the second verse from the Vishnu Prana. Vishnu Shakti Para Prakta Chetra Tatapara Abhidya Karma Sanyaya Shakti So it goes a little further now. He's developed first. There's a difference between the Jiva and Brahma. This is a real good argument. I mean... To say that we are Brahman, hmm? that we are consciousness, is okay. And, but to say, but but we have to acknowledge that, despite the fact that we are superior to matter in the ways in which we often explain, hmm? giving meaning to it, it wouldn't matter without us, and so on and so forth. We 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 can't deny the fact that we are bewildered by matter. I've given an example before that the TV has no meaning without the viewer. So the viewer is infinitely more important and superior to the television. But we do find instances in which the viewer, having turned the TV on, can't get up from the chair. Hmm? And the television takes over his, his life. Hmm? Problem. Hmm? And we are experiencing a similar problem. It's hard to deny that problem. Hmm? And it's a very simple and straightforward explanation that the scriptures give 
of it. It doesn't deny that we exist. It doesn't deny that we are inherently of a spiritual nature, chit, hmm? not a chit. We're not inert matter. We're different. That's uh, intuitively universal, and uh, there's there's good reason to support it. The scriptures um, uh, support this idea, and so forth. Hmm? Um, and so, to compare us to a spark, well, then it's clear again. Spark is one, but it's different at the same time. These are very like clear explanations. Shankar's explanation of the jiva, of course, is that the jiva is actually Brahman. Hmm? He gives some examples that sound pretty cool. If you take a par- an earthen pot, inside of the earthen pot is some sky, right? If I break the earthen pot, the body is just an earthen pot and... Is the sky. So he says that the Atma and Brahman are one. The drop of water enters the wa- ocean. Mm-hmm. The drop becomes the. These are his kinds of examples. There are problems with these um, examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his explanation of the scriptures, which don't square with these statements and other statements that are will be cited. Statement here from the Gita, from the Vishnu Purana, and so forth. The jiva and Brahman are one. There is no ultimately there is no jiva, and there is no world, and there is no God. There's Brahman, but there's no Ishwar. Hmm? So Mahabharata was going into this. He, he started to talk about Shakti by way of talking about the Jiva. This verse from Vishnu Purana speaks about more than just the Jiva Shakti. It says, the potency of Lord Vishnu is summarized in three categories. Namely, the spiritual potency, which we, we mean the, 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 the Swarup Shakti, the, the, the living entities, Jiva Shakti, and ignorance, the Maya Shakti. The three, the spiritual potency is full of knowledge, the living entities, although belonging to the spiritual potency are subject to bewilderment. And the third energy, which is full of ignorance, is always visible in fruit of activity. So this is a very clear statement from the Vishnu Purana hmm, that Shankar seems to have ignored. Hmm. Um, uh, what he's doing is segueing into the idea, the difference between the Vivartavad of Shankar, I told you this was a little dry, this section, the Vartavard of Shankar and the Parinamvad of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Shakti Parinamvad. So, Vartavad means it's kind of a doctrine of, of illusion. Hmm? And uh, Shankar gives the example of the, mistaking the rope to be a snake. Hmm? Nice example. Um, he says that there really is no world there really is no jiva, there really is no Ishwar. Hmm? It's a question of thinking that a rope is a snake. Who's thinking? Brahman? How could he be so confused? Um, this is where it really starts to, to break down. There is only one, but there is... I mean, how he does it, I don't know. It never made any sense to me. This superimposition, 
of the absolute. Uh, there is no. He said there is no world. There is no jiva. This is a complete idealism, monistic idealism. There is no. There is no external world. There is no. The bivartavad. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained this is a this is a term that's used in Upanishads, but it means that there that the body is thought to be one thing, a, 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 a snake, oh, but it's really a rope. Hmm? Very that we see things in this world, we think they're one thing, but there's something else. But there, the thing, the rope is still there. Hmm? Shankar is saying. It's a question of thinking a rope is a snake, but really there's neither a rope or a snake. Well, if there's no rope, how do we get the snake out of that to begin with? This is where it becomes very problematic, and then there's heady arguments and so forth. And then the fact that there are these clear statements in the scripture that, that, that the Godhead has shaktis, three principal shaktis are mentioned here, the jiva, the maya shakti, and the sarup shakti, hmm? And parasya shakti vividai vishuyate, brahmanas, uh, innumerable shaktis, and, and then shakti parinamvad. So the world is a transformation of the energies of God. Shankar was against the idea of parinam, shakti parinamvad because his idea was that, if, that the God would be transformed, Brahman, I should say, would be transformed. Hmm? If you say that the world is the shaktis, so he denies the shaktis, hmm? and he doesn't want that the Brahman can't be something that's subject to transformation. Hmm? But then you got to do away with the world; it doesn't exist. So the Godis say no. The, the shaktis, the Godis in particular, say their shaktis are one, but they're different at the same time, hmm? and they, the Maya Shakti. And the Jeev Shakti, well, they, they make up the world. Hmm? And this is the function of the of Brahman's Shaktis, their interactions. Hmm? And similarly, there's the, the function of the Sarup Shakti that makes for variety in the material world. doesn't mean that Brahman is subject to transformation. Hmm? Like material things are subject to transformation, birth, growth, uh, death, and... And, and so on and so forth. No, but a different uh, transformation of, of ecstasy. <laughs> we saw Fujian in relation to the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? So, um, uh, uh, here we're entering into this uh, uh, idea that Bhagwan has Shaktis and the world is constituted of these two, Maya and Jeev Shakti. Hain Jeev Shakti Tattva Lan Liki Paratattva Achana Kurila Shesta Ishvar Mahatva. So the as such uh, the um the Maya body as as such is is such that um it has taken the insignificant uh, jiva to be Brahman. Hmm? And this, Mahaprabhu says, this is not a compliment to to Brahman, to 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 to, to the Godhead. Hmm? 
व्यास सूत्रे त्रे कहे परिणामवाद व्यास परंतु बोली तार उत्तायल विवाद the sutras of vyas vyas sutra kohe parinambad speak very clearly about parinambad this means again the transformation of the world is the intermingling or whatever the of the the shaktis of bhagavan he om purnam adha purnamidam shaktis come from him he doesn't lose anything as a result of that yeah um however the sutras speak of parinam but vyas pranto boli tar uttala vivad this is where uh, krishna speaks very uh, strongly he says but according to um shankar if you if you study shankar's doctrine he has said more or less vyas is crazy he doesn't know what he's talking about let me explain it for you this is where prabhupada comes in with let's have the bhagavad gita as it is hmm there's uh, many places you can see in shankar's uh, explanation of the sutras which he's, he's posited the two tiers of brahman it's not in the in the, in the sutras it's not in the upanishads hmm these are additions this is why just take it as it is let's take it in terms of the mukhya vritti and clearly there's a god there's us and it's understandable why we've got a we're in a predicament even though we're superior to matter and so on and so forth there is a world we mistake it to be ourselves this is vibhartavad this is parinam bade ishwar khayin bikari etto kahi vibhartavad Stapana Jekoli. According to Shankar, by accepting the theory of transformation of energy, the Parinambad, Shakti Parinambad, one creates an illusion by indirectly accepting that the absolute is transformed. So I mentioned this point. Bastuta Parinambad say say praman. Dehe atma buti e pibartestan. Transforming transformation of energy is a proven fact. It is the false bodily conception that is an illusion so the vivartavad is again this we think the body to be ourself that's vivartavad that's there too hmm? in that case again there's a snake and there's a rope and we mistake the snake to be there's we mistake the rope to be a snake and again in his idea there is no snake but a snake we think somehow we imagine the snake and we imagined as a rope and then we imagine a snake on top of that so it's rather convoluted achintyatva achintya shaavichintya chakti jukta se sri bhagwan ichai jagat rupe phai parinam the personality of god is opulent in all respects abichintya shakti yukta sri bhagwan he has inconceivable potencies ichai jagat rupe phai parinam therefore by his achinti shakti his inconceivable potencies the world jagat rupe phai parinam comes into manifestation so he tatapi achinti shakti hoi abikari prakrita chintamani tahe trishtant jedari so he gives an example hmm? 
gives an analogy to help us understand. He says, using the example of Chintamani, which by its energy turns iron into gold, yet remains gold, we can understand that although God, Brahman, transforms his innumerable, innumerable, innumerable energies to manifest the world, he remains unchanged. Although Touchstone produces many varieties of valuable jewels, it nevertheless remains the same. It does not change its original form. Prakrita vastute jodi achinta shakti hoi ishvara chintya shakti itiki bishmai. If there is such inconceivable potency in material objects, why should we not believe in the inconceivable potency of God? Of course, the inquiring mind, the doubting mind will say, that's a great example, but there is no such thing as a touchstone that turns iron into gold. Hmm? Mahaprabhu was given the example of the, ch- of the Chintamani. Of course, he has experience of that, I suppose. It said, Chintamani prakarasadmasu kalpabrikshalakshavriteshu. There's a world of Chintamani. Sometimes Prabhupada interpreted it as the philosopher's stone. Hmm? But nonetheless, there are other examples that are given, I think, by the Goswamis, like jewels and, and herbs have powers and so forth. And um, they are not transformed. Uh, probably sometimes give an example of the sun. By the potency, by the rays of the sun, there's the transformation of the that causes vegetation and um, the evaporation of water and rains and the whole thing. And look at the world hmm? and then look at the sun, they look very different, but the, 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 in a sense, the world of vegetation so that we live on the basis of is the transformation of the sun. Hmm? And the sun remains the sun. It doesn't turn into a vegetable. Hmm? So, <laughs> you can't eat it, but you can cook with it. You can cook vegetables. So, um, it's a good example. I'm the, the example of the living in the cave is nice too. Two people living in the cave and they only know darkness and one finds his way out and sees the world and, uh, and what is the result of light, that there's vegetation and there's so many more things to eat besides mushrooms and molds and so forth that you find in, in the cave. And, and not only that, some of them, with the help of the sunshine, you can cook them and turn them into get more palatable dishes. And so now he has the task of going back into the cave and telling his friend in the cave that what light is, what the sun is, with no reference, frame of reference, how can a person only living in the dark cave understand there's such a thing as sun that does these things and that's only partially what it does? Hmm? He has no even experience of a vegetable, a fruit, a sunny day, hmm? uh, and so on and so forth. Rain, you know. Uh, <laughs> so how we, where do you begin? Hmm? So then he just makes a little, little, little ray of light comes in. Whoa, fascinating. This is what the Upanishads does when it tries to tell us about God. It first says, if there's anything in the world that most resembles God, it is you. Atman, you are consciousness. Hmm? You are not like matter, inert. Hmm? 
just a beginning understanding. Hmm? What are you going to tell somebody who lives in a cave? How can you tell them? How can they believe? Hmm? That's a, that's a lot in itself. Hmm? Hmm? So the sun, anyway, is an example we could use in nature of something that gives off its energy and is not transformed. Of course, of course, you've got to give it a long period of time, I suppose. It is, but and, but um, but uh, for all intents and purposes, it transforms without being itself transformed. We have to ultimately go to, as Prabhupada called it, spiritual mathematics, one minus one equals one. Again, to the uh, the introduction to the Ishopanishad, Om Purnam Adaha Purnam Idam Punat Purnam Udachate Purnasya Purnas Although it gives off unlimited power, it remains the complete balance of that power, the powerful. Hmm? So he wants to give some analogies that help us get a grip on the idea, but ultimately the point is that the, the knowing and the conclusive way of knowing by which he seeks to establish his point is by having cited the sacred texts, what they clearly say, uh, and um, th- and how that differs from the cloud, if you will, of Shankar's imaginative uh, type of um, commentary hmm? that is distinct in that way from all the different Vaishnav commentaries. So we'll stop with that. He'll go on from here to describe the 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 misconception of the Shankara's terms in terms of what is the main sound hmm, of the Upanishads that our um, we should the Mahabhakya that we should be centered on it's not as Shankara thought Tattvamasi but Pranava Omkar so he described about Omkar so he's highlighting certain points here enough to give us a basic idea, that's what Krishna Kavish wants to do in this chapter, two things. Establish what the Yuga Dharma is, chanting Hare Krishna, Nam Kirtan is the way to enter into the, the philosophy, the theology, and the high ideas that he's given in the previous chapters that constitute a commentary on his, uh, his uh, in verses of invocation to the book, and, and then what it is not. Hmm. What is not is not what the what Brahman is not what the Maya would say. The Jiva and Brahman are not one in all respects. Any question? Yes. I don't see what's wrong with the clay pot, the sky inside mm-hmm. the sky round. Yeah, that's fine. There are that's true. If you break a clay clay pot, there'll only be the clay pot is covering the sky. Hmm. But if you break the clay pot, there's only sky. That's true, but that doesn't mean that you're like that. <laughs> you can make up any example you want, but but it does it has to fit with every, everything else. So it's true. If you take a drop of water, you put it in the ocean, it becomes the ocean. But hmm, it's not true that if you take a jiva, hmm, shakti, hmm, and um, uh, identify it with God, it, that it becomes God. Mm-hmm. That does, breaks down. It's that analogies break down, right? It's not true that if you take a jiva, a jiva is not a drop of water. So, mm-hmm. 
you, there is there is such a thing as a drop of water, and you can't do with it what you can do with an ocean. Hmm? Now there, uh, now you can say you can you can do away with drops, I suppose, and that's what he's saying. You can do away with drops; they don't ultimately, but that, but um, there are always drops, and there are always. Oceans, I guess, is the, is, is the point. Hmm? Um, there are, and and there are. Uh, what is the nature of the merger? Hmm? Hmm? I mean, does a drop ever become the ocean? Really. That's another thing. If you want to look real closely at the ocean, you could say you could you could say, say that it's made up of so many, so many drops. The drops are still there. Hmm. You want to. What is air made out of? Sky made out of? Space. So many. I don't know what. Space is made out of. Do you know? Space. There's atoms. Space between atoms. Hmm. Um, Usually, the closer you look at something, you look at the painting, it's one, you look closely, it's made up of many little dots. Hmm? Uh, so, to do away with individuality in the name of unity is not as beautiful, neither does it speak to us in the same way that the kind of unities that we find in the world do, like the unity of notes in harmony. Hmm? There are many notes in a concert. It's one one song, but there are many notes. That's beautiful. Hmm? Not just all notes become one note. That's not going to sell a lot of tickets. That concert. Hmm? Um, in some circles, it might. In some circles, it might. Yeah. But um, love is a union, right? But uh, so we're speaking of a dynamic union. Hmm? Uh, there are many examples of that type of union in these types of unions in the world. We want, you know, people to come together to unify, not to do away with one another. I mean, we could unify the world by doing getting rid of everybody but ourselves. Hmm? But uh, then, then what? So. Examples are, you know, true, but they don't fit with everything else. Is the point? Hmm. The body's not an earthen pot, and Jiva's not a, not a, not the sky. Hmm. You'd have to be the sky to begin with. Hmm. If you were the sky, then if you were Brahman in that example, then how did you get in this position? Well, Brahman, imagine. I mean, Brahman. There's this duality that he tries to do away with. That's hard to do away with. So, and again, however well it's reasoned or thought about, however attractive it may sound, the larger question from the classical point of view is how does it square with the sacred text? And then you have these long arguments hmm, as to what the texts are actually saying, the debates between Ramanuja and the Madhva and the Shankars and so forth. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tends to be very kind of simple and straightforward and very kind of down to earth. And this is the way he's speaking to 
Prakashananda also. Anything else? Yeah, but I just want to emphasize that point again. The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't make a doctrine, didn't do a commentary on Vedanta. So again, his answers are very like straightforward and very simple. And uh, you know, he would give the answer when when he was in South India. It's a little bit different, but who's superior, Shiva or Vishnu? He said, "Well, Shiva's taking the water of Vishnu's foot wash on his head. I guess, I guess Vishnu. What do you think?" That's what the text says. We always give simple arguments like this, very down to earth. Hmm? Yes, what is your question? We were reading um, the end of chapter one. You were reading reading what? The end of chapter one. Uh huh. Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. And it, it talked about him in a different name. We tried looking it up. Him? Krishna. Krishna. He has many names. Yes, and there was one we couldn't find about him killing. Oh, Jen Arden. Maybe. Madhusudan. Yeah, that's the one about him killing Madhusudan. We tried um, looking it up, and we didn't really find a whole lot on it. Yeah, there's not a lot on it in the Gaudiya text, but there, some demon named Madhu, who became the slayer of and I think it because it's described in some Purana occurred in the Brudge vicinity um, but it's not one of the um, it's not part of the kind of the, the uh, I say the uh, Leela narrative of the Bhagavatam he's not one of the, the players there hmm. Yeah, he's not there. I where the references to that I forget, but um, it has something to do. I think it occurred in Madhuvan, one of the twelve forests of Vrindavan, the Vadasa Wands. Um, and perhaps not Krishna himself, but Vishnu, but he's nonetheless, he is, uh, Vishnu is his expansion. I'm not sure on that, but I, I think it may refer, because it's not, again, he's not a demon in the Krishna Leela. Hmm? So there are some things that Vishnu's done that Krishna's identified with by, by way of name, hmm? which is to say that he is Vishnu. Hmm? All right, we'll stop there. Sri Gorada Madhava Ki Jai, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Gorbhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gorbhakta Vrinda Ki Jai.